0: pray. Amen. I really wanted to play that video this morning because congregations all over our country today recognize this Sunday as Sanctity of Life Sunday. And you know, as Christians, as we move forward into 2021, I know my prayer is that each of us would value life like never before. I love that video. That's a powerful video. The life of the elderly, the life of the disenfranchised, the life of the child. The life of the unborn. That church, life is a gift from God. Do you believe that? It's a gift from God. What a joy. I was thinking about this week even. The joy and privilege we have as Christians to be able to remind a very broken but also very confused world that life is a precious gift from God. It is worth valuing. It is worth protecting. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm pretty jazzed about this morning. I'm excited. I'm always excited. Come on, that's old news. But I am, I really am excited. Much of today's reading, by the way, is going to be found in parables. We're in Luke 18. If you open up your Bibles, go ahead and uh, get them to Luke 18. But Jesus is teaching in parables. It's important to remember about parables that uh, parables, when Jesus is telling us, uh, telling us them, he's sharing. They're not just moral lessons as a kid and Sunday school, you always thought they were just kind of good lessons on how to be a good boy or how to be a good girl. They, they are so much more than that. What you're learning in these parables is what God's kingdom is like and what living in God's kingdom is like. So I want you to remember that. As you're hearing these parables, just remember, you're getting a glimpse into what it looks like to participate, but also to really to live in the kingdom of God. So with that in mind, uh, with our Bibles open, let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, I really am encouraged by your word today and by um, these uh, parables that Jesus speaks. I I pray that they would speak to us, that we would have eyes to see and ears to hear, that uh, we would be able to receive from you today. Also, Lord, we do pray for life and that uh, we would, as Christians, be able to model to the world around us what it looks like to truly appreciate, value, and protect life. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us truly a heart, a compassion, a grace, and a mercy that comes from your throne that says life is worth protection. Life is worth uh, something, and it is valuable. We thank you, Lord. That, that comes from your spirit. That comes from heaven above. Uh, may we carry that uh, value and that passion well within us, the passion for life. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, let's get going. Chapter 18, Jesus, he tells this parable to his disciples, but listen, he says, uh, it, he says it to show them that they should always pray and not give up. They should always pray and not give up. And he says, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. There was a widow in that town. So we got a judge and a widow. She's in that town. She kept coming to the judge and she had this plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. Finally, he said to himself, even though I do not fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says, and will not God bring about justice for those his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep? Putting them off, verse 8, I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, this is a great question. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? If you're taking notes, I want you to go ahead and write this down. be persistent. Be persistent. In this passage, it would be, be persistent in what? It's another P word. Be persistent in prayer. Yeah, be persistent in prayer. Now, by the way, I'm telling this parable. This is not to describe God as that judge. Just to clear that up, right? Please, do not get that out of what we just read. The judge is described. We're told that the judge doesn't even fear God. So, please, don't get that out of this parable. But Jesus is telling them this parable for a reason, right? And in fact, it says it right there at the beginning. This is one of the easier ones because it he literally tells us at the very beginning, of that first verse, if you want to put, that, put up that first verse again. He says, he tells them this parable, say it with me, to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Always pray, church. And don't give up. He, he goes further. He says, cry day and night. Be persistent in your prayers and what God will bring justice for his chosen ones. But it's hard, right? Have you ever prayed before? Have you, have you ever tried to be persistent in your prayers before? And there's, there's these times you, you're just waiting. You ever wait before in prayer? Anyone before? You're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting. But even there, even when it feels like you've been praying and you're waiting forever, I'm telling you, church, just keep pressing in. Some of you might need to write that down. Keep pressing in. Don't quit. Even now, right now, I know some of you are going through hard times. Don't quit. Be persistent in prayer. Some of you right now, you're just wondering, like, man, like, what is going on? It feels like the odds are all stacked against me. Even there, be persistent in your prayers. Why? Because God is looking for people just like you. Did you know that? God is looking for people of faith. People who trust Him even when the odds are stacked against you. People even when it feels like everything is going the wrong way. He is looking for people with what? With faith. With people who have faith. And by the way, one day He is coming back. Did you know that? Jesus is coming back. When He comes back, He is looking for faith. When He sees you, I ask you this question to you personally. I want you to think about this. When He sees you, what will He see in you? Will He see your faith? He is coming back. And when He comes back, what will He find? Will He find and see your faith. I love what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4.17. Uh, I heard Pastor Michelle Passy put this on Facebook earlier this week. Uh, Randy Ford. Pastor Randy uh, just showed me this verse this morning. I think God uh, is into this verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 4.17. For our present troubles, they are small and they won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory, hallelujah, that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. See, yes, you are facing trouble. But make sure you have an eternal perspective in mind as you walk through all of your troubles. And walk through it in faith. Because again, when Jesus returns, will He see your faith? We all know Hebrews 11.6, right? We've heard it before. What does it say? It says, it is impossible to please God without faith. Don't give up, church. Keep persistent in prayer. A prayer of faith. And watch what Jesus will do. Watch what He'll do, both now, in our everyday life, but also when He returns. Alright, verse 9. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus has a parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He wouldn't even look up to heaven. He beat his breast He said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus says, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. You might want to write that down. He went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So, church, be humble. Be humble. I love this parable because of who he's sharing it with. Right? He recognizes that there are people there. Go ahead and put up verse 9 one more time. Recognizes that there's people who are confident in what? They're confident in their own righteousness and they're looking down upon everyone else. By the way, this is an attitude in my 17 years of being a pastor that I have had to address so often in the church because sometimes religious people can get a little full of themselves. I mean, this kind of, you know, no one in this room, of course. You know, thinking it's pretty awesome, kind of like this, hey, you know, look at me, look at what I'm doing, like, look how I'm living. And what happens is that religious spirit, it kind of shifts us, it, it kind of takes us from this place of trusting in Jesus and trusting in His righteousness in us that makes us righteous, but then it kind of shifts, it morphs more into this feeling of like, hey, you know, like, I'm doing pretty good, like, look what I'm doing. And now I try to stand, this is so scary, but we, we've done it, right? You, you try to stand now on your own righteousness and i've seen this a hundred times where then out of that person's mouth the person that's standing on their own righteousness what begins to come out of your mouth is judgment judgment toward others pastor dan don't, don't you know that they're doing this pastor dan don't you know that doing you know they shouldn't be doing that they shouldn't be doing this and you can feel it like <laughs> you know what i'm talking about pastors like you can feel it Because they have now positioned themselves above everyone else. But then, of course, it's a little comical because I am your pastor, meaning I do know some of the things you're walking through, right? Some of your sins, your mistakes. I talk to your spouse. And yet, here you are throwing stones at everybody else. And unfortunately, again, I'm in the same boat. We all do this. It's a common, it's sad, but it's a common, familiar attitude in the church. And so with it, I just thought, man, what an opportunity today. Hallelujah. By his grace, we could really receive this, right? Can we just receive this today, church? Uh, I'm not here to uh, really even know what's going on in your heart right now, but the Lord does. And can we receive that Jesus says this self-righteous attitude, this judgmental spirit, it's a temptation for all of us, but God doesn't want that for any of us. And we know that because he gives us two men, doesn't he? He gives us the the first man and his example but then we also gives this example of the tax collector and look at that again but the tax collector but we we heard this just a few weeks ago uh with someone else who was preaching up here they they talked about a tax collector would not be the most popular guy in a Jewish community why why would he not be so popular because he's working for who he's working for Rome right he's working for the oppressive government of Rome he's working think of it this way he's working for the occupiers of the nation of God. So he's really not such a popular guy, but he, it says, stood at a distance. He wouldn't even look up to heaven. He beat his breast and he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And so you have these two examples, but then Jesus comes in and he really lets us know uh, what he desires, what he's looking for. He says, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, he went home justified before God for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Do you have anyone in your life that is just a great example of humility? Any, anyone in your life, maybe it's a family member, a friend, a coworker, someone, that you're just like, wow, they are the, such a good example of humility. For me, it would be my parents. I mean, God bless Cliff and Jackie Bursch. Uh, they walk in true humility. I, I think about Maxwell Twineford, our overseer in Ghana, who passed away earlier this year. Uh, Tucker Mayer, you ever met Tucker before? Just, I love Tucker. Cindy and Eric Keller. uh, Anita Messinger, are you here today? Anita Messinger, just an example of humility. Lori Koval, she was up here earlier up on stage. Uh, I just love uh, the way that she walks in humility. My wife, such a great example of humility. The list is long, and, and I was thinking about it in this season. It's an intense season, but I'm learning so much. By the way, I'm watching you, and I'm learning from you. And when I see the way that these people are are navigating the issues, the hard things of life, uh, I'm I'm looking at you, I'm listening, I'm watching you, and I'm learning from you because I see how you're depending upon God. I see how you're not standing on your own righteousness, but you're just continuing to put your life at the feet of Jesus. You're giving Him credit for any goodness. And, And I just want to encourage you in that. In this volatile season, I'm watching you, but also those around you are watching you, and I'm just so thankful for you. Thankful for the way that you are walking in humility in this season. You see this played out in the comments section of our daily reading plan. We now have, I think it's 57 people signed up on our Bible app uh, for the reading plan. Uh, we'd love for you to sign up. It's not too late. But many of us uh, have that Bible app, and at the end, it gives you a little section. It's called Talk It Over. And you can, if you want to, write a couple of thoughts, a couple of things. May the Lord is speaking to you from that day's reading. I'm so moved by the humility in some of these posts. I'm just going to share a few of them. Braden Bergeron, our very own Braden, he wrote this a few days ago. He said, my first reaction in the flesh is to worry. Anyone ever have your first reaction in your flesh to worry? I mean, absolutely. But then look what he says. He goes, that's my first reaction. But Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, you know what I need. And so I cast my worries onto you today. Isn't that uh, just a man, a humble humility to say, you know, God, on my own, I'm, I'm kind of worried, I'm kind of anxious, but I trust in you, Jesus. Tamara McIntyre, uh, our missionaries who live in Kenya, look at what she wrote. She said, Lord, let my heart be turned to you. Let what comes out of my mouth come out in a way that reflects your heart. Again, humility that would say, you know what? The world doesn't need to see my heart right now. What the world needs to see is your heart, God. So let your heart be reflected in what I say and what I do. And, and Lori Koval wrote something very similar, so powerful. She said, Lord, take a look at my heart. There are things in there that don't belong. So Lord, I need you. I need you closer to my heart. I need you more today than I needed you yesterday. Work in and through my heart in such a way that all will know that it is you that I love. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. This is the humility that God is calling us to, that those who humble themselves will be exalted. James says the same thing in James 4, verse 10. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. And as today's scripture says, you will be justified before God. All right, this next next passage maybe is my favorite one uh, in the bunch. Uh, Verse 15 of chapter 18 of Luke. He says, people were bringing babies to Jesus. Just get the the mind's eye going on this one. Just imagine this scene, right? People are bringing babies to Jesus for Him to place His hands on them. When the disciples saw this, they thought it was really neat. No, they didn't. They they rebuked Him, right? (laughs) They You're like, what translation is that, Pastor Dan? No, they rebuked them. Oh, man, Jesus, He says. He calls the children to him. He says, No, let the little children come to me. <laughs> Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Will never enter it. Write this down Be childlike. Be childlike. Notice I didn't say be childish. be childlike, right? He isn't asking you to be a baby. we got enough babies. He isn't asking you to be immature. Instead, be childlike. Childlike in your faith. Childlike in your love. Maybe most importantly, childlike in your trust, right? The trust that you had in the Lord. Maybe it's been shaken a little bit uh, in this season. Uh, I would encourage you, be childlike in your trust that you would follow the Lord, trust the Lord like a child follows their father and their mother. Have you met Ava and Addie before? I mean, I love my girls. They're getting way too old, 8 and 11. But I love how innocent they are in, in so many ways. Have you ever had Ava or Addie pray for you before? Um, it, it's quite the thing. It's powerful because when they pray, guess what? They believe what they're praying they believe it. So, and they do pray for me. They pray for me often. So when they pray for me to be healed, when one of their prayers is just that God would be close to me. One of their prayers is that I would know and feel the love of God. And I feel the power of that prayer because it hasn't been distorted by maybe an older person's grumpiness, pessimism, cynicism, doubt. I mean, you name it, I probably lived it. But right, it's this pure faith and trust in God. So church, be childlike in your approach to Jesus. Be childlike. I don't know if you've ever done this before, but I I do think sometimes we come to Jesus with a list. You ever come to Jesus with a list? But sometimes the list, it's almost like an accusation. Like, these are the reasons I'm mad at you, God. You ever done that? This is the reason I'm upset with you, God. And then almost like a threat, like, and God, I'm this close to not following you. And like, here's my list. Have you ever done that before? Threaten God, right? Sometimes I, I just think, could we just leave the list at home? Could we leave the list at home? By the way, not that he's afraid of your list. He can handle your list. But I'm talking about our blessing, for our benefit. For us, church, could we approach him as that child, instead of a child that says, you know, I love you. I believe in you. I, I got questions. I'm still trying to figure out this whole thing, but I trust in you. In fact, Father God, I want to walk with you. Daddy, Abba Father, here I am. Pick me up. Right? Pick me up, Father. Pick me up, Daddy. I'm all yours. Be childlike in your faith. And then our last passage is found in verse 18. A rich ruler asked Jesus, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honor your father and mother. All these I have kept, since I was a boy. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, You still lack one thing. Sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad, because he was very wealthy. Jesus looked at him and said, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. I'm going to write this one down and then I'll explain it. But if you're taking notes, I want you to simply write, Be free, unchanged. Let me explain this. I love the commandments that Jesus is referencing. If you want to put those back up on the screen. He says, don't commit adultery. Don't murder anybody. Don't steal. Don't give false testimony. Make sure you're honoring your father and your mother. These are the commandments, by the way, that have to do with how you treat another person. Right? So these commandments, are they good, church? Absolutely. Absolutely. They're commandments. They're important to follow these. And, and what I love about the ones he picks out is these are the ones, again, on how you treat another human being. By the way, do you know that it's important how you treat other people? Your mom was right. Treat others how you want to be treated. How you treat others. It, it is important. But he says, oh, I got those. I've kept those ones, Jesus. But then don't you love Jesus? He knows this man better than he knows himself. And he adds, he goes, okay, great. Awesome. Now, sell everything you got, give to the poor, you'll have a treasure in heaven, and then come, follow me. And the rich young ruler, instead of being excited about this, like, okay, I got this, let me just, I, you know, here I got. Instead, the Bible says what? He's sad because he's wealthy. I love this scene because I think sometimes we, we want to make following Jesus following the Lord, we want to make it about these huge blanket statements of do this and don't do that. So all humans all over the earth do this. All humans all over the earth don't do this. And yet Jesus comes in and he says, yeah, you know, those statements, they're good. In fact, doing certain things, not doing certain things, absolutely wonderful, very good. But that's not what I'm most concerned with. What I care most about isn't How good you look on the outside, right? What the world cares about. But the outside, what you do and what you don't do. No, you know, actually, I love you so much that what I'm most concerned about is what's on the inside. He's concerned, he sees he cares about our hearts. You might want to write that down. The Lord cares about my heart. Jesus' love for the rich young ruler, it wasn't that he followed all the rules. That's really hard, by the way, for a religious person to hear. Because we love the rules. But his passion for this rich young ruler wasn't that he followed all the rules, but that he would be released from the power that money had on his life. He would be set free, unchained, that Jesus and Jesus alone would be the one who would have his heart. And so for this rich young Man, this obstacle, the obstacle in the way of truly, radically, passionately following hard after Jesus, what is it? It's his wealth. Now, if you read the stories of Jesus, if you read the life of Jesus, you know that different people have different obstacles, don't they? For some people, it was their families, right? Their family was the obstacle to truly following after Jesus. Others, it was worries, Fears, anxieties, lack of trust, lack of faith. Others, it was their self-righteousness. Other people, it was their pride. It was their judgmental spirit. There's always something in the way. But by the way, you just got to hear this. There is a variety of things that can keep us from truly following Jesus. And because Jesus wants you to be free, set free to truly follow Him, not just follow a bunch of rules, but passionately follow Him and live in His kingdom, what He says to you is probably going to be just a little bit different than what He says to the person next to you. This is so important we understand this about Jesus because He knows you so well. Gosh darn it, He made you. And He knows that each of us, like the rich man, we have... Different things that are tethering us down we have different things that are keeping us just truly tethered down we are chained keeping us not in freedom but keeping us chained each of us battling things in our hearts your pastor might not know about your spouse doesn't know about you've been hiding it from everyone and yet the lord speaks right into that area and says that area be free and unchained actually by the way Many of us, you know what the thing is? It actually is money. It is. Like, money's a really big thing that people just allow to imprison them. Jesus talks a lot about money. That's why I love tithes and offerings. Don't you love this idea of tithes and offerings? That you give 10% of your money, for most of us, even more than that, right? Uh, and and we just got our 2020 contribution statement you ever go on there and you're like man like i could buy a car like i could buy a nice car without a mount. but you then you say now get behind me satan god here it is why because i do not want to be a slave to money i want to be free in the area of finances and so we give and the lord sets us free aren't you thankful for that I was thinking about our hard heart. Sometimes it's just a hard heart that keeps you from radically surrendering to Jesus or a judgmental spirit or lying, cheating, stealing, bitterness, envy. I mean, you name it, whatever it is, right? There's just so many areas that can keep us from radically following Jesus. Each of us have an area like the rich young ruler. And Jesus loves us so much. It's right. I mean, He's so good. Like well, I, I'm thinking about this. I'm always like, God, I want you to work here. And Jesus says, I want to work here. But I'm like, but God, I'm really open to... Right here. He goes, no, 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 Dan, I love you so much that I want to set you free here. See, Jesus loves you so much that he, He's like, no, no, come back over here. We're going to illuminate the darkness here. We're going to shine the light here. Like, He loves you. He wants you to be so unchained, so free, that He wants to illuminate the darkness with His light to set you free. Right there in that area. Are you willing today, church, to let Him go there? Not here. The one that makes you look good, you know, on the outside, all that. Right? No, 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 but... The one that's done in the secret. And unfortunately, I, I've been human long enough to know that this is often how we react to this. We react one of two ways. Neither one of them is that good. <laughs> Either we leave, when, when Jesus exposes the darkness and shines the light, we leave kind of, maybe you've done this before, you don't have to raise your hands, but you leave kind of with your heads down. It's a shame experience. And of course, God doesn't want to bring you shame, and yet that's what we do, right? Satan tells us that lie, and so we leave in shame, and, and, and it's almost like a defeated shame, right? Like, I could never get over that love of money. I could never get over the negative attitudes, right? It's in my genes. It's, you know, my dad was that way, I'm going to be that way. I could, I could never get over that porn addiction. I could never get over that desire for alcohol. Whatever the thing is, I, I could never get over that, so we leave defeated in shame. Or, the other thing I've noticed, I've witnessed, is you actually turn to God and you just get mad and angry at Him. When His Spirit exposes things, like this ang- just this thing is unleashed in you. And you start blaming Him, blaming others, blaming Him for addiction, blaming Him for disobedience, blaming Him for rebellion. It's just like Adam and Eve in the garden. We begin the blame game. But I want you to hear this today. Either way, right? Either way, whether your go-to is to walk away in shame or turn to Him in anger, He is here today. And He loves you so much. He loves you so much. He is here today. His loyal, steadfast love is here today. He's never going to give up on you. He's never going to... In fact, He is so patient. He is slow in coming back because He is patient. He doesn't want anyone to perish. He He is so so patient, even right now, Jesus is speaking to you, even uh, in through these words. But in spite of my words, He is speaking to you, regardless of what your normal human, fleshly reaction is to Him. Exposing, He is saying, right now, I, I'm not even going to define you by what you've done in the past. But in this moment, on January 17th, as I'm exposing, as I'm illuminating uh, the darkness with my light, son, daughter, I am here to set you free. I'm here to set you free. His kingdom. His kingdom, it's a kingdom of freedom. And He will do it if you ask Him to. He'll do it. He'll do it if you ask Him to. You know how I know that? Because of the next few verses. Look at we're going to keep reading. After He gives this speech to the rich young ruler, after He addresses the issue of His heart, that's keeping Him from radically following Jesus, look at verse 26. Put 26 up on the screen. Those who heard this, they're like, well then, oh man, who can be saved? What are we going to do? But say verse 27 with me, church. Jesus replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Say it again. What is impossible with man is possible with God. Amen. Amen. And Peter says, we've left all we had to follow you, Jesus. This is so encouraging. He says, truly I tell you, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children. You could put a bunch of things into that list, right? No one who's left these things for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. Eternal life. So I want to encourage you today, church, whatever the Lord is speaking to. And He is speaking right now. I just whatever he's exposing. And again, these aren't things that probably any of us are even aware of. But I, I would just encourage you to surrender. <laughs> surrender it to the Lord. Leave it behind. And follow God. Don't, don't take it with you. right? Don't go to Fred Myers and take the, the baggage with you and the chain with you. Let that thing be cut off right now. You leave this place in freedom, in freedom, freedom, surrender to the Lord. I think many of us, <coughs> excuse me, many of us have believed the lie that it's not possible. The too much lie, that we've done too much damage, too much pain, too much disobedience, too much hatred, and yet Jesus calls you right now, leave it behind and follow By the way, yeah, newsflash, yeah, it's too much on your own. In fact, he just said it. It's impossible on your own. But with God, it's possible. Surrender to Jesus. He will make a way. I'd also say this. Sometimes that freedom and that miracle happens in a moment. But I think often freedom is a process. You might want to write that down, especially if you've been struggling for a while. Write down freedom is a process where, yes, you claim the freedom you have in Christ, but then you have to walk it out. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? You claim the freedom you have in Christ, but then you walk it out. And, and this happens as you just make yourself available. Every day, every morning, God, do the work that you want to do in me. And this is the cool thing about the Holy Spirit, is when you make yourself available, He will give you the next step of freedom. The next step of freedom. So even as I'm speaking, if you're struggling with something that's holding you back, and you want to be set free, I'm just praying right now that the Lord would open up your mind and give you that person that you need to confess your sins to. That that's your next step. And even now, the Lord would give you a name of a person. That I need to approach this person before I leave. And that's the next step of freedom. I pray that maybe uh, for you, it's the recovery program that you need to sign up for and attend. That He'd give you that next step step right now that he would give you the phrase he'd he'd, some of us have smartphones that you'd pull out your smartphone you'd you'd find the number you'd reach out to them it's the next step of freedom or maybe it's that professional that you need to uh, have a meeting with or a consultation with and you need to seek wise counsel from that however he might want to bring his freedom into your life that you right now as i am speaking not for some magical mythical day that's never going to happen but right now in the reality of now that you would make yourself available and open to the move of God, that you would be free and unchained. Are you brave enough today, church, to take that next step of freedom? I'm living proof of all this. This freedom and living unchained. I'm still in process. i got a long way to go. But as I consider the numerous areas where Jesus has exposed the darkness with His light. I mean, dark. Places. You got dark places, I got darker. The dark places. I was addicted to gambling. Like the heaviest gambling that you could imagine. There I was. Or I think about the places of my pride. The places of that judgmental spirit. I love that someone said I was gracious the other day. Because that's so far removed from who I was and my self-righteousness. Those places where I treated my wife like garbage, unloving towards my wife. Places where I was gripped. I was paralyzed with fear about money. Money, oh my goodness. I was the grumpiest, most stressed, anxiety, worry-filled person when it came to money. There was a thousand different places where I was kicking and screaming. You ever do that before with the Lord? Kicking and screaming against radically trusting in Jesus. And yet His Spirit praise the lord all glory honor and praise to god his spirit has led me through it all sometimes radically delivering me in an instant other times simply revealing the next right step of freedom if he can do that in my life he can do that in yours and because of jesus because of what he's done in my life i right now am walking in eternal life i don't have to wait until someday when I take my last breath to walk in eternal life. Right now, you guys know that. You've met me. You, you've talked to me. Right now, I am experiencing abundant, true, eternal life. Set free, unchained to live for Jesus and His kingdom. What about you? I know some of us are tuning out right now, but if we could really pay attention. What about you? This could change your life. Aren't you tired of just going through the rituals and routines of organized religion. You want an encounter with God. I know you do. And I do too. So what about you? Where do you need to be persistent? I love my my motto of do hard things, no excuses, no pity parties, because I just keep on hearing a lot of excuses and pity parties. And I'm just like, no, that you can live that way. I ain't living that way. Because there's a lot of reasons right now, you can think of, a lot of reasons why you should give up on prayer. Because this person did that, and she did that, and this didn't happen, and this didn't. But the Lord is saying, you be a person of faith. Be persistent in prayer. Where have you given up? Again, these are things, we, I don't know. You, you know, the person next to you doesn't know, but you know. Where in your heart have you given up? Don't give up. Don't give up. Be persistent and watch what God's going to do. Be humble. Another way to put it is, where do you need to repent? Where do you need to repent? Repentance is healthy. It is good. You want to be free? Repent. How did repentance become a swear word in the church of God? It is a place of freedom. Repent. 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 It says it's kindness that leads us to repentance. So where do you, where do you, by God's grace, in humility, need to repent? You know, I know it isn't always possible because of various health conditions. I'm getting older too. I get it. But one of those most powerful postures you can have in worship is when you kneel. Because when you kneel, one, you start wondering, how am I ever going to get back up? But, <laughs> but also, you know, it's this place of vulnerability. It's this place... It's a posture of being open to the Lord. It's this place where you're saying, God, I am here to honor you. I am here to adore you. I I think about the woman washing Jesus' feet with her hair, right? I'm here to serve you. It's a posture of humility. Again, humble yourself and He will lift you up. Church, what does that look like for you today? And be childlike. Where have you become jaded? Where has your heart grown cold? Where has the, the events of the season caused you to forsake your first love, run back into the arms of your Father, receive from Him? But also, I just encourage you, we're always trying to get something out of God, but could we even have it not be about getting something out of Him, but us more just giving Him something? It's just like, God, I, I have nothing to give, but I'm just going to give You my faith. I mean, I don't have a lot to offer You, but I'm just going to give You my trust. I don't have a, a lot to offer You, Lord, but I'm just going to give You my love, that God, I'm going to commit to You as uh, as a child with childlike faith, I'm going to run to you. Daddy, Father, here I am. Pick me up and lead me into your plans and purposes. What does that look like for you, church, to be childlike and then be free and unchained? What does that look like in your life? And my passion for you as a pastor is that you would stop playing the game. Who do you think you're fooling anyways? And that you would lay it down and radically be free. Free, free, free. It says it is for freedom that He sets you free. Not just in talk, but in the walk. Right? Not just with words, but in deed. Allow Jesus to lovingly expose those areas where your heart isn't truly surrendered to Him. Remember, he, He's wild about you. <laughs> he, he loves you so much. And And you got to remember, He's not like the world, where the world cares so much about what's on the outside. I mean, come on, have you been on social media? Like, it's this great place of judging others, and, and it's all about what you look like on the outside. And yet, you know, yes, on the outside, it's okay to look presentable. But what God cares about, I mean, don't go on there naked, but what God cares about is what's on the inside. Oh, if we could just grab this today. That the Holy Spirit, His passion is to expose the darkness, not to condemn you, but to set you free, to break the chains, so you can leave the sin that so easily entangles and run the race that He has destined you to run. So I'm going to invite the worship team back up. We're going to sing this song. I love this song. I actually would ask the prayer team to come up today, too. We're going to do this. We're going to offer prayer on both sides of the stage today. We just want to make some room for all of this. Because uh, the reality is, I, I've noticed some of us... I even get in this mode sometimes where you don't ask for prayer because... You're like, I gotta wait till I'm dying until I really come up for prayer. And yet, prayer should be a normal part of the Christian experience. Can we just break through that, right? Today, can we just break through that weird thing that we do where we're like, well, you know, that's probably for so and so or so and so. Like, today, could we receive prayer like again th- this area of being persistent where have you given up or where are you prideful or where are you uh, just struggling with bitterness or hardness or where are you still not free in the lord that you would say you know I-, I just i just want the lord i want god's very best for me today and i don't want to leave this room having any of these things tethering me down so would you just pray for me that i would be set free in the name of jesus take advantage of this opportunity and what they're going to they're not going to condemn you they're not going to come to me later like oh well did you hear what so no they're just going to come into agreement with you like so what did you say again what would you like prayer for okay i'm going to come into agreement with that lord jesus would you right now just break those chains that have tied them down and set them free to truly live the abundant overflowing life that you've called and destined them to live that's what prayer is that you would leave this prayer time not condemned and in shame but you'd leave this prayer time encouraged and built up in the mighty name of jesus so we're going to make ourselves available in this moment available to his mode Uh, Leanne, she just prayed for me earlier today before this service. A couple of you texted me before this service. We just sensed that God was doing something today. And so if you're online right now, don't tune out on us. Don't uh, go to the NFL game yet. Like, hold on if you can. Hold on because God is doing something in this sanctuary right now. If you can, don't pack up your bags yet. Hold on because Jesus is doing something. He loves you so much. And what I love, this is a personal place of intimacy with God. Right now, I I just feel it, that this, again, isn't about the person next to you, but this is about you. And allow God to just speak, again, this love, this concern, this passion for you, that you would leave here untethered, unchained, all for the kingdom of God. So would you stand with me, church? Would you stand with me? And as we sing it, I would say... Be sensitive to the Lord. Maybe as we're singing, He'd ask you to kneel before Him. Maybe He'd ask you to just come forward to the altar and just spend some time with Him in that way. Or He would ask you to come up and and come into agreement with these amazing prayer people and and allow them to pray for you. But can we just receive from Him? Let's just bow our heads and pray. Let's put our hands out, Lord Jesus. Our, Our posture even now. We want it to be a posture of receiving. Of receiving from you, Lord. A posture of receiving. This fast-paced world where our brains are already wired to go to what's next. We say, no. I'm going to relax in this place. in, In this place of your presence. And receive from you today, God. Receive from you today, Lord. Receive from you today, Lord. Our heart rates would go down as we're given ears to hear and eyes to see all that you're doing. Your presence, Lord. You're illuminating those places not to condemn us, not to shame us, but to set us free. Some of you, I even sense this, even as I'm praying, I just saw it so clearly. Some of you, there's these things that are so heavy upon you, but it's the Lord's breath that is blowing them away. I just see that. By the blood of Jesus, by the power of what was done on the cross, I see the wind of His Spirit just breathing upon you and those things just drifting off of you. Just, just coming off you like a, a wind, a sea breeze, that the oppression, that place where the enemy thought he had defeated you, that oppression is lifting like a sea breeze, like a, a fresh wind. The Lord is breathing that off of you is be free in this place. Thank you.